0: All right, how are we doing? Got it? It's all right, just be careful with it. It's an old Bible. So we're going to start at verse 1 in Romans 8, and we're going to read down through verse 16. So you follow along with me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. <coughs> That's quite a few scriptures. Did you guys follow along okay? I want to read verse 15 again, and we're really going to spend a lot of time there. So if your Bible has a marker in it, why don't you place that where you're at? If not, somehow keep your finger there. We'll look at a couple of scriptures in Matthew later just to give you a head start. Verse 15 of Romans 8, where we just read from, says, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now, when it's talking about us receiving a spirit, As we come to God, what spirit do we receive? The Holy Ghost. We receive God's spirit. So I'm teaching and and talking today from an assumption and a realization that all of us here, for the most part, have received the infilling of God's spirit at some time. And a lot of times when we talk about the infilling of the Holy Ghost, we talk about the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues And that is important. God has given us a sign that we know when we have received the Holy Ghost, we were full of his spirit. We speak in another language. And if that's never happened, sometimes it's easy in in Pentecost and in all that we do to think, well, at camp, at camp that'll happen. Or in this type of service or that type of service. We can close this service out today with a time of prayer and you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you received it, it's been a while and you're not quite sure if you received it. God doesn't want you to have any questions about whether or not you've been filled with the Spirit. You just continue to pray and to worship and to seek and He can fill you with the Spirit anywhere. But when we receive the Holy Ghost, it's not so that we can say, yes, I can speak in tongues or I spoke in tongues. I've now attained the full power of the Holy Ghost. There's a lot more to receiving the Holy Ghost than speaking in an unknown language. That's a great sign for us. But God wants to do a greater work in us. And so this scripture lets us know what one of those things are. It says that we receive, have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now, Abba, anybody know what Abba means? Messiah? It means Father. Isn't that kind of weird? I mean, that means the Scripture says, whereby we have received the Spirit, or we've received the Spirit whereby we cry Father, Father. Kind of strange? Two different languages? There's a whole lot of speculation as to why the writer recorded it twice and in two different languages. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole today. Pretty deep There's some very interesting points. It's a fun study, but that's not where we're focusing on. I want us to focus on the bigger picture and the fact that God becomes our father. God becomes our father. What should be life-altering revelation, we have kind of turned into a, a prayerful just salutation. A lot of people will open their prayers. Dear Heavenly Father. Without much thought making those few few words as they enter into a time of prayer. Heavenly Father. We, and, and it's just a statement that we throw out. But to consider the fact that God becomes our father. He adopts us as his own child. Um. It's used kind of loosely today, but to this church, when Paul was writing, he was bringing to them new revelation, new understanding. It's very difficult for them to to look at themselves that way. You have received the spirit of adoption. Spirit of adoption. When we talk about new birth, we talk about being born again or being filled with the Holy Ghost or. Baptized in Jesus' name. A lot of times that's the terminology that Scripture couples it with is new birth. And birthing is, is great. Um, birth is natural. Birth can be the byproduct of two separate individuals that love one another. And it has not much to do with the child in the beginning. Birth can be Accidental. Not all births are planned. Uh, Adoption, on the other hand, is none of those things. Adoption is difficult. Right now, if if you begin to go into the process, and I know you guys are like, what are you talking about? We're not adopting anyone. We're kids ourselves. A lot of you are thinking that. But I want you to understand the process right now. If, If there are adult people who say, you know what, I'm going to adopt a child. We would think that, listen, there are a lot of needy children in the world, and if there's, if there's a good home and, and people that are going to love this child, let's make it quick, let's make it easy, but it's not that way. There's forms and there's paperwork and, and there's all kinds of circumstances and demands that are put on someone who wants to, to adopt. Adoption is, is difficult in and of itself because that means in one way or another, a child's natural parents were either unfit or unwilling to care for us. Adoption means that there is, is maybe an inability for a couple to have children due to medical reasons. So right from the get-go, adoption signifies difficulty. It, it's going to require some effort. <coughs> adoption is also risky. When couples or individuals decide that they're going to adopt a child, they open their life to complete scrutiny. Everything about their home, they they have inspectors that come into their home and look around their house. They have people who begin to investigate their relationships and the connections that they have. And I mean, you're really you're under the microscope. It's risky because later on in life the Natural parents of the child may want to become involved and, and could become a problem. There's some risk involved in that. There's risk involved with pre existent problems. You know, unfortunately, there are, are people who have babies that make poor choices while they're pregnant, and there are little babies that are born, born with an addiction to drugs and a family that that has nothing to do with those things will adopt that child and help it through those issues. There are times that children are not adopted as infants. You imagine at at your age now, all of a sudden you have to be ushered into a new home and a new family. That's awkward. That's uncomfortable for everybody involved. So adoption, adoption is risky. Adoption... Is expensive. Take a guess, and I've got the figures. I looked them up today. How much do you think it costs to adopt a child? A domestic adoption, so that means uh, another U.S. citizen child being adopted by a U.S. parent. What do you think the average cost is? Jace, you got an idea? $12,000. How much? $12,000. Okay. Any other guesses? You got a guess? How many dollars? Okay. a good guess. 50,000? Quarter million? Up 1,000? So, go ahead. 10,000? The average cost or the cost range is between 20000 and $45,000 to adopt a child. That's a lot of money. And guess what? If your kids don't already know, you're expensive once you're here. Like they, they spend twenty to forty-five thousand dollars, and then they've got to buy clothes and food and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff. Lots and lots of stuff. So it's expensive. I'm gonna read another passage of scripture. I told you we were gonna to go to Matthew. Let's go to chapter 19. Uh, verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> <clears throat> Chapter 19, verses 13 and 14. While you're going there, I'm going to continue to make the point. The beautiful thing about adoption. Is that these parents desire the children? It's a very intentional thing. You don't wake up one day and go, oh wow, look, I guess I adopted a child. Adoption is something that requires pursuit and forethought and sacrificial giving. So when the scripture says about us that we have received the spirit of adoption, that's what we have to understand about God, number one is that he is a father that wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. This is a passage of scripture that we read a lot. and Maybe we talk about Sunday school or kids, but it says, Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuke them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children. And forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't mean make them suffer. That means allow them. Jesus said allow the children to come unto me. And then he makes a great comparison. That sometimes we read the scripture. And we focus on the physical uh, attribute. That these were little children. But Jesus then said such is the kingdom of heaven. There are other places in scripture where he says, unless you become like one of these talking about children, you you can't even inherit the kingdom of heaven. God views us as children. And and I don't understand parents who who don't want to be with their kids. Ever go in the other room, go over there. No, he's a father who wants to be with us. He desires us. He wants to be hands on. He wants to be there. We won't read the passage but consider with me the and i'm going to say this very specifically the parable with the prodigal son we we say the parable of the prodigal son and all of our focus is on the son many times but there's a father in that story too remember and he gets rejected and he gets hurt and his son goes out and does things that he doesn't approve of and he makes a lot of mistakes And he he loses a lot of his father's financial wealth. And then it tells the story of the son, the one that we always focus on coming back. And the father still desired to be with the son. He said, well, I'll let you back under a couple circumstances. We we need to talk about some things. He wasn't hard in his heart or at arm's length with his child. But Jesus was making a, a comparison here between a earthly relationship to describe a heavenly principle. And there are times in our life sometimes that we mess stuff up. We don't do things just right. We, we make mistakes. And it's scary in many of those situations to then make our way back into the presence of God. Because we picture God as a big angry guy because we know what we did was wrong. He's standing up there and he's upset. And man, when we get back... We're, we're really going to get what's coming to us. And the scripture says that the, the father in this story, the prodigal son, was waiting with open arms. He ran to his son and he embraced him. Now he did clean him up. He did clothe him a little bit differently. He didn't send him back into the field to do some work. There the, but that initial reaction was very intimate. And there was no resistance on behalf of the father because God is a father who wants to be with his children. While you're still in Matthew, flip backwards a little bit further and go to Matthew chapter number 6. Because not only is he a father that wants to be with his children, he's a very good provider. It's a good thing when a father is a good provider. Mm-hmm. Matthew 6 And I'm going to go to verse twenty (coughs) four, six and twenty four. Do you got it? Okay, we're going to start reading right there no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon which means finances money therefore i say unto you take no thought for your life what you shall eat how many of you are already thinking about what you're going to eat after church Mm -hmm. Take no thought. See, I'm making jokes and I lose my spot. (laughs) What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold, or look at, consider the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feedeth them are ye not much better than they which of you by taking thought can add one cubic to a stature and why take ye thought for raiment consider the lilies of the field how they grow they toil not neither do they spin and yet i say unto you that even solomon and all His glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith! Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom, excuse me, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, one thing that you young people and kids don't understand is that one of the greatest stressors in, in adult life, once you have children, is the idea of not being able to provide. For your children's needs. Needs. Put yourself in the position for a moment. Adults. And you guys. Kids and young people. You can dream. Put yourself in the position of being a parent. With unlimited resources. How might you provide for your children? I think I'd provide pretty well. However, most of us couldn't handle such a blessing because we would spoil our children by allowing their wants to be treated in the same manner as their needs. You ever meet somebody who is, is maybe a little too wealthy and, and they've always gotten what they wanted? and That does bad things to a person's personality and their character. And us as earthly parents, it seems like if, if we're abundantly blessed, it's easy for us To then treat our children's needs as if they were, you know, life, their life depended on it, their desires, I should say, as if they were needs. This can translate into how we look at God. Sometimes we approach God as if he should meet our every want and whim. God, you own, the, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You, you know where every vein of gold is and every ounce of silver. So, so I want this. And, I, and we don't say want sometimes. We say need. But in reality, we won't die without it. And we come to God with this expectation of being spoiled because we understand that he holds all of the resources. And God is a great provider as a father. But he's also just he's just a good father and he doesn't make promises here in his word to spoil his children Though truth be told most of us have far more than we deserve already we probably are more it's not like we're living morsel of bread to morsel of bread we're extremely blessed but God promises to provide for his children's needs he gives us some examples which are kind of funny to think about. He draws our attention first to the birds of the air. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap. All of us drive by farms day in and day out. Have you ever seen uh, a group of crows like plowing straight lines in the ground and, and gathering seeds and dropping them in? No? You ever see them sit back and wait a couple months until those seeds grow up and then they go out and they they take that corn and they, and they store it away somewhere because, no, they don't do that either. And he's, he's using this kind of facetious example of saying, look, if God can take care of the birds and he kind of brings them back to their, their self, he says, aren't you more valuable to God than a bird? Aren't you more valuable to your heavenly father than... Than a bird. So, oh, but what am I gonna wear? Looking at my girls. <laughs> so consider the lilies of the field. So you look out on the flowers. And they're not worried about it, they're not stressing out. I could pick on them a little bit, but I'm not going to. They're not, they're not constantly thinking about what they're gonna wear and, and how they're gonna present themselves, and oh no, we're gonna run out of clothes and. <clears throat> They're not doing that. He says, they don't toil or spin. They're not out there sowing themselves, raiment. No, and, and he says, even King Solomon, a guy who had an extremely great wealth, they said, even he wasn't dressed as fine as these things. He says, that's just a piece of grass in a field that today it's pretty and tomorrow it's bound up and burned in a brush pile somewhere. How much more will God take care of of his children. The fact of the matter is, we have to come to grips with God knows what we need. Your heavenly Father, God, knows what we need. And he's really, really good at giving it to us, he's really good at taking care of us. And the last thing I want to point out, and I'll, I'll make one last point, and we'll have a time of prayer. But, and that is, God creates a place of security. Our Heavenly Father creates a place of security. I'm going to go back to Romans 8.15. So if you've still got your marker there. So there's actually two statements that's made here. The first statement, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So this verse is written in such a way that it, it compares or contrasts two different sets of circumstances. One set of circumstances in which we're bound and fearful, and another set of circumstances in which we're free and secure. Two completely different set of circumstances. There are times, Haley, Ashley, Alex, Jace, you guys know this. There are times that these guys, these kids, stay home and streets night going to town. There's a very specific way that you guys know to act when we're not home. And that is, they stay inside, the doors are locked, you don't answer the door, and you don't go outside. Bound, and a healthy measure of fear. Okay, that's not the rules when we're home. When when dad's home, I don't say, okay, everybody, stay inside, lock the doors. Don't don't go outside, Don't, don't go by the window. There's a difference there. I spent a week in the boundary waters, and there were a couple times when people were having to come through the property and, and do work and stuff. And she said, "Well, I just stay inside during the day with the door locked." Well, what's the difference? She's an adult. What? No, no. There's there's something different when Dad's home. There's a another layer or another level of security that comes. And and it should be that way. Um, the presence of the Father produces a place of security. The security of the Father enables us to go new places and try new things. There's something about knowing, and this is what we have to try to make sure that we instill in our kids. I'm talking to parents, but I hope our kids grab this too. Is that is it's okay. To step out and to try new things in life. Because home is always going to be a place that you're safe. You can go out and you can try something new. And you can fail. And you're still going to be loved. You're still going to be accepted. You don't have to bat a thousand. And that's hard when you're young people. Because it feels like all eyes are on you. And so sometimes the personality that God gives you. And the talents and the giftings that God has placed in your life, you hold those in and and you're timid and and you're reluctant to really express them and and to express yourself. But there should be a level of safety in the presence of of your own family, in the presence of home, in the presence of the Father. Why? Because there's, there's a little bit more security there. We as adults do the same thing sometimes. We've got things that God lays on our heart. And we've got challenges that He puts before us, or, or things that maybe we would like to venture out and try to do, or, or spiritual conquests that we, we want to be a part of. And we're, we go, and we become timid sometimes and afraid, forgetting for a moment that, that God is my Father. My, my dad's pretty powerful. There's a safe place in the presence of my Father. We recognize risk, but understand that no matter the results, we're safe. And we're going to continue to be loved and provided for and protected. Proverbs 14 and 26. It's the last scripture I'll read. So Proverbs is going to be near the dead center of your Bible. Direct center, you're going to find Psalms. And then just after Psalms, you're going to find Proverbs. chapter 14 and verse 26 I hear less turning over there it says in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence And his children shall have a place of refuge. Our Heavenly Father produces and provides a place of security. When I'm feeling insecure, when I'm feeling apprehensive or unstable in life, it's good to go back and and work on that relationship with the Father. Get back into close proximity with Him. Get back into a place where I, I understand that he's there. And he's going to help me. And he's going he's to strengthen me. And he's going to teach me. And he's going to protect me. We have a good heavenly father. Teresa's going to come and she's going to play. In our humanity, each of us have a limited amount of time to experience this level of dependence on a father. Brother Jonathan, does your dad still pay all your bills? All of them? No? Mm -hmm. You don't don't show up at his house every mealtime? See, there comes a point in this life, this fleshly life, where we break away from our Father. And we launch out into our own lives. And we begin to build our own families. And that relationship can stay close. But it changes a little bit there's not this dependence for security and safety and provision many people are deprived even of that experience altogether because they might have an earthly father that's absent maybe their father in, in my case my father passed away when i was very very young Unfortunately, not all dads stick around and stay home. And so you go to school with people and you meet people that you talk about heavenly father. And they they can't understand that because they've never had a father in their life. Or maybe worse yet, they had a father in their life who set a poor example. He was uncaring or abusive or selfish. And so we, we try to view these scriptures of our heavenly father. And we have a very short window of time where we experience that. Believe it or not, guys, 18, 20 years is not that long compared to the grand scheme of life. And then even that short window of time is, is stolen, robbed away from people. And so we start to view this idea of a heavenly father through all of these earthly paradigms and that's not the case. See, when we talk about our heavenly father, it, that's, that's a long-standing relationship at my age now, I've got, a, I've got a heavenly Father. And I can continue to go to Him time and time again, just like a child. I don't know why the, the writer chose to write, we, we cry, Abba, Father, Father, Father. But I think about a young child sometimes. They don't just go, hey, Dad, how's it going? No, when they want their, their father's attention, it's, it's Daddy, 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 Daddy. The older we get, the, the more independent we become, we almost feel humiliated by that kind of approach. But that's because we fail to see God in all of His grandeur and, and how spectacular He is. And me, compared to Him, how humbly come before Daddy, 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 I love you. Daddy, I need this. Dad, daddy, there's something in my life. Daddy, I'm afraid right now. And we can come before the Lord as little children crying out to their father. God desires for us to see Him and to experience Him as a caring, caring Father. Why don't you stand? We're going to take some time. She's going to play a song. We're going to pray. But I want you to pray today as we close out and approach this time of worship and prayer very specifically with that in mind. Because sometimes we we come to God as our Savior. We come to God as our friend. We come to God as our healer. But the heartbeat of the Lord today is he wants you to recognize him as his heavenly father, as your heavenly father, the one who's going to be there time and time again. That's not any disrespect. priest kids, that's not any disrespect to your dad. You guys, that's not any disrespect to me. I I hope I do a good enough job as your earthly father to emulate what he wants to be in your life forever. So as we close out in worship and prayer, approach God from that perspective today. And let's spend a little time talking to our Father. Hello, this is Pastor Jason. I'd like to thank you for taking the time listen to our podcast from United Church. We pray that this blesses and encourages you in your walk with God. If you'd like to find more information about our church, including our address, upcoming events, or find a place to give, feel free to visit our website at fergusunited.org. God bless and enjoy the message. Hey folks, Pastor Jason here again. I pray the message you just heard inspires you to draw closer to God. We also believe at United Church that it's very important to be connected to a local assembly. If you're in the Fergus Falls or surrounding area in Minnesota, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. If you're not and you're looking for a local church where you live, we'd love to help with that as well. Take the time to stop by our website, fergusunited.org, send us a message letting us know where you live, and we would gladly connect you with a great local assembly. God bless. Until next time.